What is Dias and Good Morning, Lindsley Avenue? Morning. Glad to have everybody here today. It's a nice, good crowd. We appreciate you being here if you were visiting. We want you to come back. What we hope you will find is a gathering of people who call themselves God's people and who simply want to follow Jesus and love one another and love our neighbors. So if that sounds good to you, please, please come back. Before we get started with the lesson, uh, we are going to have a, a special prayer uh, as we start to focus on a few individuals who are going to be uh, either facing some difficulties in the next week or that we need to remember. Uh, first of all, Marla is going to be having surgery on Wednesday. We want to keep her uh, in our prayers for success for Wednesday. We love you, Marla, uh, and uh, we, we want to remember Marla. Uh, we want to continue to remember Deb Cumberland. She's facing some challenges over the next few weeks and months. Uh, we also uh, want to uh, think about Cherie there in the back. Uh, Cherie's having some issues with an area on the back of her head, and we pray for some healing. And Cherie and Debbie both have a neighbor uh, named Arthur who was carried off, I think, in an ambulance this morning uh, to check out whether he was having a heart attack. And finally, our Hispanic sisters over here are going to be traveling to Florida this week. Uh, and Emily is going to be staying there. Uh, we have gotten to, uh, to know you and to uh, be glad you were here. And vaya con Dios. We love you and, and please, please come back when you can. But uh, I know I've mentioned all that. But let's take it directly to God in prayer here as we start this morning. So if you would, please pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for waking us up this morning. Thank you for having something for us to do, to live for you and to follow your son. Father, we want to bring before you directly some of our brothers and sisters who are facing concerns. We have asked you to bless Marla and the surgery that she's going to be undergoing Wednesday and the doctors and the nurses. Uh, we pray that that will go smoothly, that she will have as easy a recovery as she can, and that she will be back among us. We ask God that you continue to bless Deb with the challenges and struggles that she is facing. Help that to go again as smoothly as possible so that she will be back with us again. Father, bless Cherie and the area uh, on uh, her head that needs some uh, healing. We would ask you to bless uh, their friend Arthur, who was taken to the hospital this morning. Bless our sister uh, Judy with her continued healing of her leg. And we ask you to bless uh, these three wonderful ladies here who are going to Florida, uh, Maria, Indira, and Emily. And we ask you to continue to bless them May their trip be safe, bless Emily as she remains in Florida, and help us to always look for ways to love and encourage one another. Bless us all, Father, through your Son we pray. This morning, we conclude our series on the fruit of the Spirit. And we're talking about the last one that Paul mentions, self-control. I'm asking these two fine young men here on my left, they're looking around to see who to hand the plate to now, uh, to pass out a marshmallow. I want you to take a marshmallow, 
do not eat it. Never eat something you don't know where it's been. Hold on to the marshmallow. Do not put it on the pew because it may very well melt. And this, these are nice pews. If you need something, find something to put it on. But marshmallow. We will get to the marshmallow a little later. Okay? Marshmallow. You can always see people who have been troublemakers in the past. I know because I recognize the look quite, quite quick. Marshmallow, okay? So, self-control. Hopefully we're going to have enough. It's a good thing to run out of what you were planning as a, as a prop, as a object for the lesson today. Let's see if everybody gets one. Anyone not have the marshmallow? Wondering what on earth is Gene going to do today? That's, that's the question. All right, everybody, all right. Robbie needs one. Open that one. We got. It. All right. Fruit of the spirit, self-control. Fruit of the spirit, self-control. We'll start off by looking at Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight. Those who do not control themselves are like a city whose walls are broken down. In the days where armies could come up and just march right into a city, walls were the primary protection. You might be besieged, the armies might surround you, but the walls kept them out. Someone who does not control themselves has no protection against whatever comes their way. Proverbs 16, 32. It is better to be patient than powerful. Boy, try to sell that outside here today. <laughs> it's better to be patient than powerful. It is better to win control over yourself than over whole cities. Just because you may control whole cities or a state or a nation, that's not nearly as important, God says, than having control over yourself. Self-control. Self-control. It's tough. Self-control is difficult. Self-control is perhaps one of the hardest things any of us have to face and are challenged with. Self-control. Yet it is tied, self-control is tied not only to being successful later in our earthly lives, our lives here and now, it's a quality that God's children must, must demonstrate in our lives. <laughs> what a face. That, believe it or not, that's actually a bowl of marshmallow treats, hence the marshmallow. Does he look like he has good self-control right there? He hasn't eaten any of them yet, but boy, he can see every one of them and imagine the future, right? This young lady is facing a dilemma. Well, it turns out these pictures represent a psychology experiment that has been run a number of times. They take these poor little children who are two, three, four, maybe three, four, five years old, 
They take them to a back room away from their parents and some person in a position of power says, here is one of the most tasty marshmallows you have ever seen. They put it in front of the child and they say, by the way, I have to go do something. Do not eat the marshmallow until I come back. And they leave the room. Unknown to the child, there is a two-way mirror over to the side of the cameras, and the person stays gone a long time. The videos of this, I'm sorry, I find them very funny. I really shouldn't. But you should see the torture that these kids are going under because they want the marshmallow. Some of them will be scratching their head and tapping and, and their feet and all sorts of stuff because I want the marshmallow. What they have found, they have done this so long ago, they track the futures of the kids who eat the marshmallow the moment the person goes out of the room. Don't eat that until I get back. I won't. Door shut. Right? Versus someone who manages to keep their hands behind them and when the person comes back after five, ten minutes sometimes, the marshmallow is still on the table. They have tracked what happens to those kids in terms of future success. Now this is success out in the world, whether business success or however you want to define it. You know what they find? The very large percentage who succeed did not eat the marshmallow as a kid. Those that eat the marshmallow the moment the door closes have a tougher time in life. Because even by age three, four, and five, you've learned or not some sense of controlling yourself to delay, big word here, delay gratification, to put off pleasure, to put off reward when you're told, wait. And if you can't put that off, you have a tough road in life. Self-control is a key predictor, a key component of success here and now in our earthly life. I want to suggest to you, it's a very important component of our success as followers of Jesus, too. Paul says, control yourselves. Self-control is a fruit. It's a demonstration of the Spirit living within me. I'm giving away where this is going, but if I cannot control myself, what that says is, is that the Spirit really isn't within me in any strong way at all. I am not aligning my behaviors, my life with the direction the Spirit is trying to take me in. Remember, all those weeks ago we had the anatomy lesson class where the Spirit dwells within me and really fruit of the Spirit will be generated, will show on me, right, fruits hanging off of me, as I am in alignment, as my life, my behavior is in alignment with the direction the Spirit is leading me, which is home which is home to God. When I'm doing what I want to do, 
the car jerks. Remember, we talked about that as the analogy. The wheels are going the wrong direction. I want to go over there because that's fun, because that's enjoyable. The Spirit's like, this way. And if I keep doing this, the Spirit's influence diminishes. It gets less and less. Who would know that something in some ways as simple as a marshmallow might give an indication of what our futures might hold. Now, as far as I'm concerned, if you really truly want to eat the marshmallow, go in. The, the person's come back in the room. Please don't put it on the people. Eat it if you want. Or, or not. It's all right. They were clean. Sure you they did. We didn't roll them around on the floor and then hand them back. <laughs> Okay, but I thought these pictures would indicate it because we all know what these kids are thinking. We all know what these kids are thinking. While this is the last of the fruits indicated, self-control is at the last of the list, it is certainly not the least. You know, last but not least. Self-control in many ways is one of the most important. Because it takes a lot of self-control to exercise, to demonstrate the other virtues, the other fruit of the Spirit that we've been talking about. We all face temptation to sin in our lives. We do. People often lack the self-restraint to stop when they should. Uh, I mean, there's so many things that are involved in sinful behavior. Immorality is a very prime example. Immoral behavior is a result of not saying stop, not turning around and walking the other way, not averting the eyes and leaving the town, like getting out of Dodge, so to speak, right? And it's a lack of self-control. Someone says, this is going to be fun. This is going to be enjoyable. They have no self-control. That's what we're talking about. For example, it takes self-control to show true godly love instead of lust or infatuation. To love others not as the world would love others, but as Jesus loved us. Look at Ephesians 5.2. Paul says, for all of us, he's talking to people who are followers of Jesus, walk in love. What does that mean? What does it mean to, to live my life with a loving outlook? Live my life in a loving way as Jesus also has loved us and given himself for us and offering him a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma, a pleasant thing to God. Jesus offered himself. God was pleased with that. What does that mean for me? I need to offer myself to God. My life is not for me. My life is for God. And if I love as Jesus loved me, then I will be giving myself for my friends, neighbors, brothers, and sisters. I will be looking out for them as Jesus looked out for me. I will be focusing on others, not myself. Because self-control is, I'm more important somebody else. Remember the I am third? I am third? If I'm third, then I'm not going to engage in behavior that 
put somebody else below me. I'm not. Walk in love as Jesus loved us. That takes self-control. It takes self-control to have godly joy when we are facing a difficult situation in life. 1 Peter 1.8, Peter says, Though now you do not see him, you do not see Jesus right now, yet believing, knowing that there's a future that's different coming, you rejoice with inexpressible joy and you are full of glory. They were undergoing trials, temptations, they were having trouble. And Jesus wasn't with them physically. Paul said, uh, Peter says, because you believe, you can find joy even when there's a time of hardship and trouble. Can I find joy when I'm having trouble? If I have no self-control, then I will kind of rage at the world. I don't deserve this problem. I don't, why did this happen to me? Instead of, your will be done. And still looking for ways, even in trouble, in trials, to show joy and help other people. It takes self-control to show joy. It takes self-control, oh, here's a big one. It takes self-control to get along with others and make peace Instead of always being in the middle of something, in the middle of a conflict or an argument, let me just say, you all obviously have a lot of self-control <laughs> because you are all very peaceful toward me, even though I can end up trying to cause grief and trouble, with whether it's teasing or something else. It takes self-control to stay out of things. Look at this. Jesus speaking here, blessed are the peacemakers. You know what he doesn't say? Blessed are the winners. Blessed are the ones who come out on top. Blessed are the ones that manage to kick others down. If there's a reason for a conflict, if someone's not going to be hurt, if someone is not going to be engaging in sinful behavior, if it's not lose and maintain peace? Is it really that important? It needs to be a pretty important situation to engage in conflict. No, do not play basketball on the edge of the roof. Okay. And get conflict for that one. Get back over here. Right? That's different. I'm not talking about that. But most of the conflicts we engage in, if you can separate yourself from the moment, are not that important. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do I have enough self-control to be a peacemaker? It takes self-control to patiently bear with others rather than quickly condemning them. It's very hard to, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, be patient with all. Why couldn't Paul have said, be patient with the people you already like? Why couldn't Paul have said, be patient with the people who don't cause you any grief or trouble? Paul. He puts this word all in there and messes my whole day up because I have to be patient with everybody. 
I don't want to do that. I'm not patient with everybody. I have to be able to control myself. You know, whether that's biting my tongue, somebody's causing me to have some irritation. I need like a button you know, to just keep it shut. Do I have enough self-control to be patient? And, and, and patience, lack of patience, impatience, really again is a lack of self-control. It's me, down here in third, upset that somebody up here wanting to get on top of it and become number two. Do I have enough self-control? It takes self-control to not automatically look out for yourself, but to look out kindly, to kindly look out for other people. Philippians 2.4, look out for one another's interests, not merely your own. You know, some people, I don't understand how they do it, but some people go through their whole lives really not caring what happens to somebody. Even sometimes they don't seem to care all that much for some family members. My, my uncle always was, was kind of a crackpot. I'm not surprised something bad happened to him. Whatever it is, right? I need to have enough self-control that I stay with other people more of a priority than I am. It takes self-control to do good, to go through the narrow gate toward life rather than toward evil through the broad gate. Jesus talks about that in Matthew chapter 7. The people going through the broad gate are doing what they want to do. Where's the fun today? What can I get into? It's been a while since I really enjoyed myself. They have a lack of self-control. That's unfortunate, but it's why I'm afraid the gate toward life is a smaller gate. Because there's not nearly enough people who can control themselves. It takes self-control to be faithful and not have our faith shattered by the mocking of other people. And Peter, in 2 Peter, talks about in these last days there are going to come scoffers. People saying, give me a break. Jesus is coming again. What are you talking about? It's been 2,000 years. He's not coming back. I don't know what you're... And if you hear that, you have to be able to remain faithful even in the presence of skeptics, in the presence of scoffers who are making fun of Self-control to stay the course and continue heading home toward it takes self-control to be a gentle servant of God, showing compassion and mercy with real love, just as God does with us. You know, it really does fall under, I mean, I could have probably done today with one slide, love one another even as God has loved you, because that really covers it all. But here, 2 Timothy 2.4, Paul talks about we need to love other people because God has loved us. Do I have enough self-control to show mercy and compassion and care for other people? What can I do 
to improve self-control? I've said this before, this is really the wrong question. Because that's like saying, I don't have any patience, I'm going to be more patient this week. I'm going to start You know, doesn't work that way, right? The only way to have the fruit of the Spirit is to focus on being closer to God. And having my life aligned with the direction the Spirit, God's Spirit living within me, wants me to go anyway. But, if I don't realize I have a problem controlling myself, I don't know I need to think about being closer to God. So, a couple of suggestions. Take these for what they are worth. Be closer to God. Take that as the truth. These fruits come with my life heading more in the direction God wants me to go. Second, how do you know there's a problem if you don't notice there is a problem? Keep track. I don't know whether you need a, a, a app on a phone or whether a piece of paper, a chalkboard, I don't care. Find some way to make a note and record times where you really were not in control of yourself. You need to focus on what well, well they say in business, management by exception. I controlled myself at one o'clock bother writing that down. The real more important thing is noticing when you're not so that you can try to overcome that. I, I want to be closer to God. I don't want to have notes where I'm not in control of myself. When presented with a third suggestion, when you're in some kind of a stressful situation, something that maybe in the past caused you to have to write a note down because you were not in control of yourself, something, have a phrase or a prayer ready in your mind to help you focus on staying in control. I don't have one of those little bracelets with the initials on it. What would Jesus do? Or I've always preferred, what did Jesus do? Whatever works. If I'm in a stressful situation, if I can just tell that stress is building up, if I'm not careful, it's going to finally come out. Show for if I have to. And what did Jesus do? Jesus showed love to other people. Jesus did not retaliate even when he was being mocked or when he was suffering. Some way to have an off ramp from the collision that's right in front of you on the road. If someone irritates you, think to yourself, God wants me to be peaceful and be in control over this. After all, I'm bound, I'm bound to have irritated somebody sometime in my life. But if not, maybe it'll happen sometime in the future. Maybe I haven't irritated anyone ever. That's just me. I bet not. I bet we've all irritated people. I need to love people because I want people to love me. Do that before you lose control. Think about it. If you don't notice that you've lost control, if you don't notice, I really shouldn't have said that when that happens. If you think that's a problem, think about it. The only way to solve this is not to say, I'm going to get a self-help book and be more in control of myself. The self-help book is what we read from. Be closer to God and these fruits that come from God's Spirit living within me will show up in my life.
If you look at Titus 2, 11 through 13, we read, The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people. God's grace has appeared to everyone, and that grace brings salvation and the opportunity to be saved for everybody. And that grace appeared with Jesus Christ walking the earth because he was full of grace and truth. That's really wonderful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you for bringing grace and saving me. Look how it continues. This grace of God that brings salvation and is available to all people teaches me. I've got to do a couple of things. God's grace that will bring salvation expects a change in me and expects a change in my life. Teaches us, how about we say, teaches me. Teaches me. Let's make it very personal. That to renounce ungodliness. What is that? Ungodliness. I'm not a big bucket. Behaviors God doesn't want me to do. Behaviors that are not going to be something you associate with God or someone who is a child of God. Renouncing ungodliness, and in case some behavior is not included in that, his other phrase is worldly passions. Does that mean I need to reject passion? Not at all, right? There's a, there's a descriptor right there. Worldly passions. There are things to be passionate about. Those are fine if they are worldly passions. If they are ungodly, you've got to turn away from them. I have to turn away from us. And once I have rejected those things, look how it continues. There's the tie-in to Galatians 5. And to live self-controlled lives. To live upright lives. To live godly lives. All three of those say the same thing. If I am self-controlled, I will be upright in the sense of I'm living as God would want me to live. If I am self-controlled and I am upright, I will be living in a godly manner. I'll be living as God wants me to live. I'm not doing that if I have not renounced ungodliness. I am not doing that if I am chasing after worldly passions as soon as I can get there. In the present age. I have to live like that now. While I wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I might have to suffer now. I might have to not be enjoying the party such as it is. I might not be able to get even with the people who have offended me. That's not why I reason I am here is to bring glory to God and to serve other people. That only happens if I have control of myself. That only happens if I am a child of God and God's Spirit is living in me. It's a learning process. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen that you suddenly control yourself and go from a 1% control of yourself to 99. It's a learning process. It's difficult to become perfect overnight. But I can decide 
I can determine I'm going to live closer to God and I'm going to be closer to being the person God wants me to be today than I was yesterday. 2 Timothy 1.7 God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. When did he give us that spirit? He gave us that spirit when we became members of his family. And that spirit living within me is a spirit not of fear, but power, love, and self-control. With the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we are able to possess, to be self-controlled and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. That's when, that is when we are truly living for God and not living for ourselves. So my question to you this morning is, are you living for God? If you have never truly understood what Jesus did for you, if you haven't turned your life away from living for yourself to living for God, if you haven't confessed, I do believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one God sent into the world, His Son to save me from my sins. And if you have not demonstrated that change in your life by being immersed so that God can forgive your sins in the waters of baptism, then the answer to that is no. You can change that today. If you've done those things, but your life seems to be a car that shakes as it goes down the interstate, that may be a sign that you're really not as close to God as you ought to be. That can change by determining, deciding, I'm going to be realigned, and I'm going to live for God. If either of those sound like you today, and we plead with you, we beg you, please come and change your life today as we stand in sin.